Welcome to the Weekend Booktopian, our podcast about all things book news and the books that we are reading and enjoying. I'm Nick Wasiliev, Booktopia's social media specialist, and I'm joined today by our brand and content manager, Mark Harding. Hello, Mark. Hello, Nick. Our senior content producer and editor of the Booktopian blog, Olivia Frico. Hi, Liv. Hi, Nick. If you'd said, if you'd written Produta, she would have <laughs> edited that. I <laughs> know, she would have yeah. chucked that in. Yeah. I would have sent a screenshot to our little group chat and be like, Nick, can you fix that? <laughs> <laughs> And uh, as you can hear uh, from afar, back by ever increasingly popular demand, mm-hmm. um, the host of our of the Words and Nerds podcast and book devourer, Danny V. Well, Danny, welcome back. I, hello, I can't believe you got me back again. Is it because I keep losing book fight? Is that the reason? <laughs> <laughs> it's because you're more popular than any of us. So. <laughs> Whilst losing books by it. wow. That makes that, that endears you to people. Yeah, I don't think I have any fans. Like if there are long, t- like diehard fans of, you know, the weekend booktopian, I don't think any of them are rooting for me. No. <laughs> We've all been way too mean to each other. <laughs> That's funny. Well, you know, I'll go for the underdog. That's my reason for losing, you know. <laughs> It's the right way to approach it. It's the right mentality. It's a, it's it's the it's how to approach book fight in when times are tough. Um, <laughs> but fortunately, before that, we have got uh, book news as well as our book recommendations to dive into. So before we we we, we get down to the dunking, uh, as with all episodes, we'll be starting off by diving into the world of book news, discussing the books we're reading, and then we'll be heading to book fight. So the big book news. Uh, we're recording this at on uh, late on Wednesday afternoon. Um, so the big book news that has, has come out is the book-selling behemoth that is uh, E.L. James is announcing a new book in the Fifty Shades of Grey series titled Freed. And it follows the thoughts, reflections and dreams of one Christian Grey telling his perspective on the events of the final book in that series, Fifty Shades Freed. Mark, what can you tell us about this series or this I'm, release? I mean, I, I don't think it's it's much of a secret that... Um, <laughs> that the original Fifty Shades uh, series uh, started its life as Twilight fan fiction. And regular uh, listeners to the podcast uh, might recognise a little bit of the pitch of, um, <laughs> of what Freed is going to be in a recent book that might be called Midnight Sun and might be by Stephanie Meyer. Um, but I think I'll, I'll, I'll just fess up straight away. I have not read Fifty Shades of Grey. I haven't seen the films. I know it only by reputation and by its impact <laughs> on the publishing industry. And I think that's why uh, it's definitely worth a mention because the impact of this of these books were absolutely huge. Uh, it really shifted, I think, the way that we think about erotica in publishing and its legitimacy. And people became so much more open about reading it and kind of proud of their, of not just reading this, but of, you know, the whole genre, uh, a sub, uh, the whole subgenre, to, <laughs> to put a pun in there. <laughs> I was like, is he going to do it? Yes, he is. Um, And for those of you who can't see this because it's a podcast, I did pause and point when I did that so that everybody could see a pun was coming. Um, uh, But uh, my point was... (laughs) My point was that that this was this was a real cultural moment in in a very similar way to the way that Twilight was, and I think it really shifted the way that we discuss books and the way that we um, talk about these kinds of books. Because I think there's been definitely a legitimacy that has been denied to erotica and denied to kind of young adult romantic novels. That I think the impact of these books on the industry has definitely helped to erode. Uh, I think there's definitely been a revisiting um, recently in terms of the legacy of the Twilight series and talking about the legitimacy of that. Um, I don't know whether the same thing will happen to Fifty Shades, but I think its impact has been undeniable and this will be a significant book when it's released. Yeah, it is. Um, I'll throw it out to, to Liv or Danny here. Right. Either of you uh, read any of the Fifty Shades books? I've read or- part of the first book. And I got a, I stopped when I got to the tampon scene. And if you've read that book, you'll know what I'm talking about. Because it just, like, I feel like that's a taboo that's been, like, kind of explored again. Like, I think there was an episode of um, that show, I May Destroy You, where, like, they dealt with, you know, the logistics of uh, period management before sex. 
Period this is a book podcast. This is a very <laughs> <laughs> look. I... Very nice euphemism to use, Elif. Period I, management. I kind of hate that I'm using it because I'm all for like you know talking openly about you know the human body, but like I don't think all of our listeners are quite there yet. So I'm trying to be trying to be sensitive was, to that. It was lovely. It almost sounded like a job. <laughs> mm, look, all I'm just saying is that was the kind of taboo that back when I like first read it. I can't even remember when I read it. I think it was like 2013, 14. I don't, I don't know. When, like it was soon after it became a big thing, and I decided to read it, and I couldn't get past that scene. But I totally understand why it's a phenomenon. Not only because it's you know the whole, you know, talking about sex and making it you know erotica legitimate, but it's also just those books are massively wish fulfillment. That's a very terrible mm. sentence, but they are they do serve that wish fulfillment purpose of like you know, what if a you know hardcore billionaire came in and just fixed my life and all I have to do is submit to his every sexual whim I don't know that's not my wish that I want to be fulfilled but it is clearly the wish of many many readers and I don't know but I think that's where where fantasy and reality you need to draw the line and I Mm. I agree with Mark saying and yourself about saying you know it gave you know those books the legitimacy which is great I think you know there's a sense of sexual freedom for women which is great but I don't think we can ignore from my perspective, like you said, the misogyny within them. Mm. And so mm. I think you need to draw the line between fantasy and reality. So fantasy, yeah, cool, but I think you need to really make sure that doesn't then spill into real life in terms of toxic masculinity, etc. And look, I haven't read mm. the book. I watched half the movie. Not that it wasn't a great movie, I'm sure, but I fell asleep halfway through and haven't revisited it. Not because it was a bad movie, I was tired. Um, so, uh, but yeah, I just think, you know, fiction, fantasy, fine. But I, I've read a lot of debates, a lot of essays mm. on the books. And I, I do feel like it's something that probably just needs to be acknowledged at least. Yeah. And I think, um, I think an interesting response to, to the series did come from the kink community uh, themselves who kind of came out and said that this is not actually representative of what these relationships are meant to be like. Yeah. Mm. Mm. Yeah, because they're all about consensual, uh, mm. you know, relationships, which, yeah, not saying that Fifty Shades isn't, but there's some complexity in there. And I think things that, you know, enjoy it as a fantasy, if that's your thing. But I think, you know, I would like as a reader and a person who talks about books to address mm. those complexities in those books. Well, it is interesting. And it kind of begs around the kind of begs the question around the broad discussion around additionally, not just in terms of the sexual perspective but also going back to Mark's point that around Midnight Sun being told the same story from different perspectives that we're seeing that we're starting to see with these books um there's a bit of a trend happening now first of all with Midnight Sun and with now with with this particular book here do you think if this is commercially successful and does well do you think we'll start seeing books branching out into these kind of different perspective book series or do you think that it's it's only working because there's a guaranteed audience there and anything will sell no no, i think i think this kind of story has been around for a while like look at wicked for example like wizard of oz from the wicked Mm. witch's perspective and uh, you know i'm sure there's many other examples Mm. that that i'm not thinking of right now from the author from the same author yeah i feel like that's the point of difference Uh, and i think some people would call it just you know a cynical cash grab but also i think there's, it's interesting to me how some authors can't leave their worlds alone. They want to go back and explore it. And some people do this more successfully, like they go off and do other series within the same universe. Lee Bardugo is an author who comes to mind who does that, I think, successfully. Um, but sometimes, I don't know, in this case, we already know the story and it's all about what Christian Grey, the character, can bring to this story. But I, I think... Do you I, think there's... Sorry, Mark. Do you no, think there's on, an interest? Do you think there's an interest as well in exploring the villain or the antagonist? Because I see oh, that, yeah. you know, particularly in some books. And not that Sarah Bailey's Gemma was an antagonist, but she was a character who wasn't traditionally likable and didn't have those stereotypical mm. female traits of motherhood, etc. And I think those characters are becoming uh, quite interesting to us. And look, they've been done before. I mean, what's um. You know, Lolita, I actually couldn't finish that book because I found it so disturbing. But it's been done before where you focus on the antagonist and, and the kind of villain of a story. But I think there's a bit of a resurgence and interest in that. Would you agree? Yeah, definitely. Mm. I find villains really fascinating to read. Mm. Um, I'm always interested yeah, in those worlds that explore them, the kind of moral complexity of, you know, 
being in conflict with another person um, or ideology or something. But I don't know if that's... I don't feel like that that's really what's happening here because I think people see Christian Grey as the the hero in a lot of ways. Like he's mm-hmm. always the one that sweeps him with the helicopter me. at the last minute. <laughs> but it's by like... I kind of, I see him as an antagonist, but I don't think he's positioned that way in by mm. E.L. James herself. I'm not familiar yeah, enough with the enough. story to kind of... Uh, <laughs> he's always the one that swoops in at the last minute to rescue Anna from like some terrible would-be seducer in like a helicopter and there's like a stalker at some point. And like he's always positioned as the hero. Wow. But his actions if you look at them with, like, a contemporary lens, don't actually line up to... Okay, because I've, I've been watching the Twilight movies lately with my daughter and, like, okay, I see the parallels now. I see them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I could see it's going to be one book that we're going to have to watch with a lot of interest um, mm. over the coming... There's uh, no doubt it will sell. I, yeah. I think it will sell because I think it's got such a strong fan base and those people just see it as fantasy and escapism, which is totally legitimate and absolutely wonderful if that's what you're getting out of it. And so I think it, it'll sell... I think, as well as the others, because it has that really strong fan base. Yeah, and we saw um, Midnight Sun uh, was a very commercial book uh, mm. last year, so, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, all right, well, I think we'll, that'll, uh, that'll touch us, touch, finish touching on the, uh, on the subject of, uh, of book news. Stop, That's, stop it, stop it, stop it. <laughs> <laughs> of course I was going to stammer on that particular word, given the context of, the, of this book. And we'll, uh, we'll move on to the books that we have uh, been reading and enjoying. Um, and I'll start with our guest first. Um, Danny, you, uh, your reputation precedes you. Every time you are on this podcast, you hit me with eight or nine books that expand my to-be-read pile ludicrously. Um, and um, I didn't want to disappoint you this time, Nick, so I did the same thing again. <laughs> I wouldn't expect anything less, and I love that you do this. So what have you been, uh, what have you been reading? Well, just for you guys, so I had another eight books to talk about on this podcast. So I gave up sleep and TV and other things that distracted me from reading. So I'll hit you with my eight, but I'll do it quickly as usual, a whiz around. Mm-hmm. So the first one I found really interesting was How to Be an Author by Georgia Richter and Deborah Hun. This book was published by Fremantle Press, and I just think it's an incredible resource for any writer or aspiring writer at any stage of the writing process. If you open up the contents page, it's got from the very beginning of the process of creating a manuscript, finding an audience, um, approaching submission, publisher, right up to marketing at the end. So I feel like it's one of those books that'll sit on your desk, be filled with post-it notes, and you can approach it at any point in your writing process. At any time, I think, even if you're an established author, I think there's still some hot tips in there. So I thought that was interesting, and I don't do a lot of non-fiction on the pod, but um, yeah, I liked that one. That's one. Uh, the second one, Schoolgirl Strangler, written by Catherine Kovacic. Um, I've loved Catherine's previous work. Have you guys read the Alex Clayton mystery series? No, not familiar with that. Yeah, I really liked it. It's sort of an art mystery series. It's like a slow-burning art series, which is pretty cool. But I wanted to see how she would approach true crime. I'm a bit conflicted about true crime because I don't like the idea of honouring the person who commits the crime. And so I always go into true crime when I read them sort of a little bit scared. But um, she really honours the victims and she really goes to great lengths to honour the victims of those crimes. So I think if you love true crime, you'll really like that book. I think you can see, um, I can see Mark's eyes are lighting up at the mention of true crime. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you can do the true crime for much. I, I like all kinds of you know horrible things in crime fiction, but once it's real and once it's kids, I just can't do it. <laughs> So, you know, Catherine's book was wonderful and she honoured the victims well. But, you know, I did have a few sleepless nights because of that book. So, Mark, dig in. You'll love it. Yeah, I like what you said about it, honouring the victims. I think that's super important um, in in true crime. So, yeah. Yeah, it is. And we're just talking about villains. And, you know, it is interesting getting into a villain's mind, but I don't think I want to get into one that really exists and who's really hurt people. So I'll stick to the the Dorian Greys of the world. (laughs) (laughs) Um, so the next one was The Royal Correspondent um, by Alexandra Joel. Her previous novel, The Paris Model, I loved that. And I particularly loved it because I like historical fiction, but I really liked how she deals with the power of w- women in wartime and in, within those contexts where they're not sort of supposed to have power, I guess. So The Royal Correspondent was the same in that it did not disappoint with its female heroine, her storyline, and I love how she includes art and fashion 
because they're mm. always reflective of, of the current social and political time. It's never just art and fashion. It's about rebellion or it's about sexual freedom or it's about, you know, women coming into their own. So I think that's really special and she does it really well and um, also deals with, you know, important serious issues in our society as well that, you know, obviously went back to the 50s too of gaslighting and domestic violence. I mean, I know we give it a name now, gaslighting, but it's obviously been around forever. Mm. So it was, we had a really nice conversation about, you know, about the complexity of that and um, how that's evolved over time. So that was interesting. Now, here's a book that I reckon you've all read, um, Infinite Splendors by Sophie Laguna. I mean, who doesn't oh, love yes. Sophie Laguna, right? Yes. She's, a, she's amazing. And to talk to her, she was amazing, but I was just so intimidated. I had to remember how to say words. <laughs> <laughs> That's like Nick on this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> like say words, Danielle. Just read your questions. But she was so lovely. I was just a fool. Um, anyway, this story, um, Infinite Splendors, incredibly sad story of childhood undone and balanced by the beauty and healing of art. And art, again, appears in the story as, a, as a, something that's healing, and I really like that. And she's just such an incredible, thoughtful writer who's driven by instinct and intuition. And when I, I spoke to her and said, you know, oh, how do you plan your writing? Do you think about the boundaries that you need to you know, have in order for the book to be readable or the character to be likable? And she looked at me and went, no, nah, who writes like that? <laughs> <laughs> But it was true, you know, like if you write with everyone else's voice in your head, you're not going to get the truest story. So speaking to her, I feel like she's just like a literary rebel. So I love speaking to her. Have you guys read Infinite Splendors? Nope. Um, no, but we have heard about it so much in the office. I think Ben named it in his, our, our fiction category manager named it among his top novels mm. of the year. Mm. Um, it has been quite the buzz uh, for every single person who's managed to grab get the, get their hands on a copy, and I think it's been involved in a couple of shortlists um, yeah. over the course of last year. Off the top, I, off the well, top, it of my only head, that came out in the end of the year, so it might make shortlists this year. Yeah, I'm surprised mm-hmm. it didn't make the Stella. I will say, mm, yes, that's true. It didn't make the Stella, which was a bit of a, a controversial um, omission from that, but. I know for a fact that Ben was absolutely head over heels for this book um, and mm. it really struck a chord with him in terms of its story and its more life-affirming message around the power of art. Yeah, and I think I'm going to go back to the choke because I think I need to read something of hers now after speaking to her and how she just doesn't follow any rules. She's just completely instinctive and intuitive and I, I think I need to read some of her earlier work again because I think that's really special for a writer and we can't help it I don't think you know anyone who makes art you know whether it's a podcast or a book or whatever you kind of do have that voice of is this going to be liked by people are people going to want to pick that up and she just doesn't go there and I think that makes her work really unique and special Mm, agreed uh the next one I really enjoyed this book uh the breaking by Irma Gold you guys had Irma in not long ago is that right we had her on the blog yes she hasn't come in to visit yeah yeah but we did a Q&A with her yeah, yeah, I knew you spoke to her. And the first thing I noticed when I opened this book was how beautifully written it was. And I really loved the characters. Um, they just come alive on the page, as does the setting. And I love that when setting plays such an important part and is almost a character in the book as well. And it's also a book with a conscience, wearing its heart on its sleeve, and also really makes a comment about being a tourist and not being an educated tourist and making sure that you are valuing and knowledgeable about the places that you're going to visit and respectful to not only the human beings there, but the animals, which, you know, is often forgotten, particularly, you know, when you go to those places. So I found that really interesting and beautifully written. Um, I really liked the breaking. It was a bit of a surprise for me because I hadn't really heard much about it when I received it. And I like it when you don't have expectations of a book and you think, oh, that was pretty special. Um, the last a fiction book, and then I've got three kid lit books that I read, um, The Moroccan Daughter by Deborah Rodriguez. She lives in Mexico, but she did this beautiful story of Morocco. And every time you read one of her books, she explores culture, family, female friendships. And I think this book was such a special book to read because you know how we didn't go anywhere in 2020 except, you know, maybe around the park or for a drive or something. She really takes you away to a different place and a different culture and really immerses you in that. And then she was telling me the story. I mean, I think it pays to be Deb's friend because she did a call out to her friends and said, hey, who wants to come to Morocco with me? I said, you know, can you just shout the invite to me next time because I'm, I'm keen to come along. 
But she talked about all the wild things that her and her friends get up to. And I just love the idea of, you know, having that sort of freedom at, you know, that time of your life when you're just going to go, yeah, I'm just going to go public bathing with my friends. And she said how that sort of changed their relationship and, you know, how they, they couldn't look at each other at the time. But then after their sort of 20th public bathing experience, they were like, oh, this is so normal now. <laughs> so I like that. But we also talked about, and this was really interesting, about finding your platonic soulmate. So you know how we always talk about love and soulmates as being, you know, a romantic thing. We talked about finding, you know, a platonic soulmate, and we found that really interesting because I don't think that's really talked about or valued in the world. I don't know. What do you think about that? Yeah, I, I was actually watching a movie just the other night. It was a documentary of, about a drag queen called Jinx Monsoon, and she has a platonic soulmate who, like, travels with her everywhere. Um, and I thought that was I, – I was just thinking about that the other day because I was like, who's my platonic soulmate? And then I'm like, I don't have one. Oh, yeah, I, don't have one. I just oh. have – I have a romantic soulmate, so don't <laughs> – no, I know kidding, people but. who have platonic soulmates, and it's just like oh. – and everyone always does that thing of, are they secretly together? And it's like, mm. no, Wow. God. not always about sex people sometimes yeah. it's about a platonic soulmate so if you don't have one anyone who's listening and mark i think you all need to make it your business <laughs> in 2021 to find one right find your platonic soulmate i mean is there, there is there an app for that yeah like, there should be <laughs> tinder for platonic hey, soulmates let, let's just make one i think we've just we've just come up yeah. with the idea guys genius so plunder this is, this is, this is <laughs> i don't think that has the connotation you think it has Luke. <laughs> I'm going to make it happen. I'm going to get rich and quit Booktopia. And Let's become... do it. Let's do it. All right. I'm with you. I'm a partner in this. You heard it here. Yes. <laughs> Find your platonic soulmate. Um, I don't know that platonic soulmates are found through, um, you know, swiping left or right. Though. I'm not sure. <laughs> It'll just be like a... I haven't thought that far ahead. I'm just leaping on the idea. All right. Cool, cool. <laughs> don't bring me down. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I always thought there should be a dating app about you know, if you're reading the same book together. So if you're reading the same oh, book and you, you match. Has been. That's genius. Oh, but is, does that already exist? I don't know. Oh, maybe there is. Oh, I don't know. There is a bookish I'm one. Oh, I thought there was. That'd a, be cool. There's Tinder for tradies. Why can't there be Tinder for book freaks? I thought there was a music <laughs> yeah. one. I thought oh, there was God, a that music would be one. Yeah. yeah, where it's like if you yeah. like the same music. Now. Well, if anyone likes Cole's radio, I'm your gal. <laughs> <laughs> Not even joking, guys. Not even joking. <laughs> I'm right there with you. <laughs> All right, Liv, maybe you're my platonic song. <laughs> I found one. Yay. What a beautiful moment that we have recorded here on the podcast right now. It really is. It's a momentous moment. Oh, I've got three more. Sorry, I'm taking so much time. Kidlet, um, kidlet. I've got three kidlet. Um, the Nerd Herd by Nathan Luff and Chris Kennett. This is such a fun-filled, action-packed book, illustrations that move across the page. And I love how that it was originally titled Woolly Bullies, but then it sort of flipped and became the advocate for the underdog, which, you know, as I mentioned before, loving the underdog and celebrates the nerds and the misfits. Because if people, you know, didn't celebrate nerds and misfits, where would we be, guys? I don't know. True. So, so um, yeah, loves that book. A lot of fun. Um, my, my own kids, they love it too. And they, they read it aloud. So that's cool. The second one, Can You Do This? Picture book. I, look, I love a good picture book. Actually, the last two are picture books. This one's by Michael Wagner and uh, Heath McKenzie. Adorable picture book of little Tasmanian devils. And it's about how the younger sibling is always trying to look up to the older sibling and is inferior to them. Um, obviously, you know, they, they find their way. It's cute. The illustrations are beautiful and we did, I don't know, you might want to cut this out, Nick, but we did this really weird thing on the podcast where I had to guess Michael Wagner, Heath McKenzie and Adrian Beck, who was the co-host in that episode, of who had the most special talent, right? So one of them could put, and these, these, these are the talents, they're very talented people. So one of them, uh, who can put five toes in their mouth? Um, oh who can, yeah, right, actually, they, they, someone can actually do that. Their own toes incredible. or someone else's? Because I reckon I could put someone else's. Well, that's a bit uh, Fifty Shades of Grey. Then, yeah. I'm such a theme developing on this podcast yeah. at the moment. This is the not safe book, weekend booktopian, not safe for work. Not safe for work. Weekend booktopian <laughs> after dark. <laughs> well, you start with that book. I don't know what you expect. <laughs> yeah. Sorry to our listeners. Um, 
Yeah, so who can put their own five toes in their mouth? The second person could create a water pistol with their hands and the third person could eat a barbecue shape from their forehead without using their fingers. We know we do so much highbrow intelligence stuff on the Words and Nerds pod, so that's where we went that episode. <laughs> so if you want to find out, you know, you're going to have to listen to the episode. Can't give it away. Um, and the last one, Walking Your Human by Liz Ledden. Um, oh, what a fun, beautiful picture book from a dog's perspective on human lives. The illustrations were just absolutely gorgeous and they had such a huge amount of different breeds of dogs in the book. I couldn't pick my favourite, but then I thought, I'm going to pick the sausage dog because they're so cute. (laughs) And um, it really is just about the magic of picture books and the magic of different perspectives. And, you know, kids are just going to lose their mind over this book because who doesn't love a cute little puppy? And this book's full of them. So that's me. That's that's my book for this month. (sighs) You've, 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 you've done it again. I'm completely lost. There's so many I need to catch up on. Um, thank you so much, Danny. The amazing, amazing recommendations. Thank you for letting me ramble. <laughs> I'll, I'll listen to you ramble about books anytime. Um, I'm now going to turn over to Mark. Um, I see, for, for context for our listeners and for, for Danny, uh, I see a book on the table. It has a name on it. Look, 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 look. We'll get to that in a second. I was just going to say. It's, He's got to tell us about the, the book about, like, man-sized spiders that eat children no it's not as it's not as horrific it's not as horrific this 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 week although i would read that book um but um i don't want to be on the episode (laughs) um uh, but last time i was on the show i did mention that i had a copy of um andy weir's new novel project hail mary that i was about to read and now i've almost finished it so i want to talk about that so that's not horrific um (laughs) So um, Andy Weir is the author of The Martian, uh, which was a best-selling book several years ago, got turned into a a very successful Matt Damon movie. Uh, And he is back with a new book, which is out in May, called Project Hail Mary. And I think if you're somebody who liked The Martian, um, you'll really love this book. Uh, It's a lot closer to The Martian than it is to his other book, Artemis, which was a crime novel set on the moon. Uh, It has a really similar protagonist to the protagonist in The Martian, but with much higher stakes. So like the entire world is at stake in this one rather than just a single individual and what the main character has to do in order to try to save it is huge and I can't actually reveal too much about it because it's hugely spoilerific uh, simply because of the way that the book is written so the main character wakes up um, uh, in the first scene on a spaceship being attended to by robots with no memory of who he is or how he got there and he gradually starts to piece together what his mission is what's going on on earth and it adds so much extra tension because he's in a race against the clock to complete the mission but he also can't remember what the mission is so it, it makes it quite quite tense um, it's really similar to the Martian in terms of its exploration of scientific concepts and there are some really big ones uh, in this book but he also does it in his classic Andy Weir style which is that it's very accessible and he breaks down these concepts so not only are they entertaining and understandable but they're a huge part of propelling the plot forward um i would say this is quite possibly um his best book to date uh he's matched he's matched what worked best about the martian um with the bigger kind of science fictional concepts in artemis for a really successful uh novel that i am thoroughly enjoying and I think it's going to be really huge. And I think it's going to make a great movie uh, when it inevitably happens because uh, it really is kind of that Martian vibe. So, yeah, Project Hail Mary by Andy Weir. It's out in May. Uh, if you like the Martian, if you like accessible science fiction, uh, you'll really, really enjoy this book. Does does he does he do something similar to what he did with the Martian and actually kind of base the science on uh, – because I think I recall he, he – he did a whole bunch of crowd for, um, research for, for the Martian to make it as realistic as possible, or is this just more fun, happy-go-lucky? So sci-fi? that's that's actually a plot point in the novel. Um, oh, is so, that so, some of the science in there, uh, because of the situation that they're in, they have to do crowdsourcing for some of the answers. So oh, that, so it's a cool cool element of of, of the book. Um, but yeah, I can't really give away too much more than that because. It's just, it's written so well and there's so many fun surprises along the way and like every single reveal like ratchets up the tension and the awe and the wonder and yeah, I really liked it. So 
Yeah. Uh, so the next book that I'm going to recommend um, is one that I haven't actually read yet. I just arrived today and, and, I, and I picked it up and I'm very excited that I have in my hands a copy of Later by Stephen King. Uh, Stephen Ooh. King is my all-time favorite author. He has two books out this year. So he's got a big novel coming out towards the end of the year. But this is a much shorter book, which is part of the Hard Case Crime series. Now, for those of you who aren't familiar with Hard Case Crime, they're a publisher that puts out... Um, old kind of pulpy, hard-boiled crime detective action novels from old authors, and they do a range of, of books by um, contemporary authors as well. And Stephen King is one of those. This is actually the third book that he's written in the series. So he's written uh, a novel called Joyland and a novel called The Colorado Kid, uh, which are both um, published by this imprint. And now Later is, is the latest one. So I don't actually know what it's about yet because I haven't started it, but I'm really excited to read it. And I'll probably talk about this the next time that I'm on the show uh, because I just adore everything that he does. Um, and the last book that I'm going to mention uh, is a book called The Lost Causes of Bleak Creek by Rhett McLaughlin and Link Neal. Uh, if you're missing Stranger Things um, and you're finding the hiatus there a little bit unbearable, then this is a book that will really um, scratch that itch. So uh, it's set in a small town in the US in the early 1990s, and it's about a group of teenage friends who have to take down an insidious evil. And in this book, it comes in the form of a reform school where kind of kids who muck up from the town are sent and then they come back and they've kind of had the life sucked out of them and they're changed. Um, and it's got some cool supernatural elements as well. And it's kind of fast paced, snappy fun in the same vein as, as Stranger Things. Uh, so uh, yeah, Lost Causes of Bleak Creek. Uh, I, I highly recommend that if you're into Stranger Things. Best book recommendations. They're really sort of different books that I wouldn't have found if I hadn't listened to you. <laughs> yeah, thanks. <laughs> I, <laughs> they all just scream quintessential mark to me in all honesty. Yeah. Sci-fi, horror, so good. I love Look, it. Look, if nobody's getting murdered or there's no like <laughs> alien space laser thing in it, then I don't want to read it. <laughs> <laughs> I, I got that vibe. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you very much, Mark. Amazing, amazing recommendations. Um, lastly, I will turn to my fellow Weekend Booktopian host, Liv. What have you been enjoying over the last few weeks? Oh, so much. <laughs> I was thinking about like the books that I wanted to talk about today and I was sitting there realising it's been so long since I've been a guest on the <laughs> no, Weekend Booktopia. It, it, they all bleed into one, uh, don't they? I know. So I've done way more hosting than I have like guesting. Um, so I've got like a couple of honourable mentions that I want to make and then two I want to talk about in depth. Um, so honourable mentions go to The Project by Courtney Summers, which is a YA thriller. Um, about a girl who is on the hunt for her sister who has um, disappeared a few years earlier after she joined what Lowe suspects is a cult. Um, it's really good. Uh, it drags you into the mind of this really troubled teenage girl. She's trying to figure out where her sister's gone. She's trying to overturn the cult and she ends up getting sucked into it in ways that are really subtle. Um, really good stuff. I really like that book. Um, I also read Malibu Rising by Taylor Jenkins Reid, mm. and this doesn't come out until the 1st of June. And so I don't want to say too much. Um, I'm going to just build the hype a little bit, but it is really, really good. Um, if you liked Daisy Jones and the Six, I think you'll really like this, but it's written in a straight novel format, um, not unlike Daisy Jones. Um, but it just tells the story of the rock star Mick Reaver and the kids that he kind of abandoned and... You know, they grow up in Malibu, they make their own lives and they become successful in their own ways and then it all, all their tensions and secrets come to a head on the night of this one legendary party. Um, so, yeah, not going to say too much about that, um, but it is really good. We have an extract on the blog if you want to kind of get into it there. Um, but now I'm going to move on to the books that I've been reading, that I've read the most recently and I'm currently reading. Uh, so the first book that I want to talk about in depth is Yoke by Mary H.K. Choi. Um, it's a contemporary young adult novel, um, but as I said, by Mary H.K. Choi. And she is an author I will read absolutely anything from. Um, so basically it tells the story of two Korean-American sisters who are living in New York City. And they were once thick as thieves and they're now estranged. And the book follows what happens when they're forced back together. So if Jane, the protagonist, is in design school, living in squalor, she's got absolute douchebag, boy of a roommate you can edit that out Nick, if you need to but it's just he's an awful person um 
And her older sister, June, works in a problematic finance job. Um, she lives in this gorgeous apartment. She thinks Jane's a slob and they hate each other and haven't talked in years. Um, but the story follows what happens when June develops cancer and needs Jane's help, um, which also forces Jane to consider that she might be sick in some other ways. Um, this book brings together Korean and American culture in really beautiful, interesting and often quite funny ways, especially through food. Um, it made me want to go out and look up how to make uh, maple tofu. Um, she just writes so well. Um, Yoke's also got a really compelling and realistic representation of sisterhood and how that can become entwined in notions of culture and also family duty. Um, there's, like, these sisters really do not like each other. There's that <laughs> intense, that mix of intense resentment, but also deep, deep love and how much of that love you're willing to show to the other, especially when they need help. Um, I love Mary's other books, Permanent Record and Emergency Contact, uh, but this is my favourite from her by far. Um, I am going to throw out a content warning for this book. Um, it depicts eating disorders and bulimia quite explicitly. So if that's a trigger for you, Yoke is maybe not the book for you. So basically just go gently with it. Um, I think it's like one of the best things I've read recently. It's out right now and the cover is beautiful. I really recommend this one. Amazing. There's so Sounds many, amazing. There's so many yeah. good books coming out of that part of the world mm. at the moment. So good. Yeah. Um, so my other book that I'm currently reading is Still Life by Sarah Winman. Um, it's her latest novel since she wrote Tin Man a few years back, which is a book that I absolutely adored. Uh, but Still Life follows a young soldier called Ulysses Temper, um, who was in Italy during the home stretch of the Second World War. And he meets this older woman named Evelyn, who's an art historian hunting down a particular piece that's been that hasn't yet been seized by the Nazis. And they basically share dinner and she introduces him to the beauty of art and explains to him just why it's important. And this one experience is something that he carries with him for the rest of his life. Um, it moves from Florence in Italy to East End London and back again and just all over the place. Um, it's beautiful, this book. And what I love the most about it are its characters. They're these big, beautiful, gregarious, larger-than-life people who are all trying to make the most of what they've been dealt with um, it reminded me a little of the way Trent Dalton writes his characters. Um, you know how like that you feel like they're these mm. people you've seen around or maybe even known. Like you walk into a bar and they're always there. Mm. It's that kind of like personality in character, which not a lot of authors can do. And Sarah Winman is really good at it. Um, and there's also a parrot who quotes Shakespeare in it. <laughs> like it's so it's quirky and funny, but it's not like whimsical and cutesy. It's very much grounded in the harsh realities of life. Um, did you say a parrot that show, that quotes Shakespeare? I did indeed. Because I'm wondering why I don't have one. Yeah, <laughs> I know, um, right? I feel like you haven't really lived <laughs> until you have a parrot that quotes oh, Shakespeare. This, this parrot's hilarious. What, what's wrong with me? <laughs> I need to step it up. Because all the like, I'm not very far into this book, but all the characters are like, where the frick did he learn how to? <laughs> where is he getting this from? So I can't wait to see how he we find out how the parrot learnt all of these quotes. Um, <laughs> I'm in. You had me at talking parrot, Shakespeare, quoting parrot. <laughs> yeah, this is just such a great book. It does a really wonderful job of articulating why art has such an impact on our culture, our emotions. Um, it's why art is good and why we still produce it, even though it might be a frivolous thing. Um, it's about finding pockets of joy in art, but also in the people you love. Um, I'm only about 160 pages in, and this is a whopper at 470 pages, but I'm slowly devouring it and loving every page. And it's out on the 10th of June. So, yeah, that's what I've been reading and loving. <sighs> Sounds amazing. It. Yeah. Mm. I, love, I always love hearing those good recommendations. And uh, good, to he good to hear that there's more great books coming down the pipeline this mm -hmm. year. Yeah. All coming out in June. <laughs> <laughs> um, Thank you very much, everyone, for all of your wonderful recommendations. My To Be Read Pile continues to grow and grow and grow, and it is the bane of my existence, but I still <laughs> love it regardless. Um, so, right, it is now time to get ready for the infamous competition, that, which I'm still amazed hasn't seen any actual books being thrown at yet, but uh, I'm anticipating <laughs> it is coming soon. It is time for Book Fight. It's a first for everything. <laughs> it, really, it really is. Um, but before we begin, of course, I will require buzzers from every single one of you, and I'll throw it to you first, Mark. What shall your buzzer be? Uh, later. Later. Right, do it. Um, Danny? 
Uh, underdog. Underdog. Nice. I like it. Um, and of course, ooh. I'm going to go with yolk. Yolk. Mm. Fantastic. All right, everyone, let's play book fight. Question one. Which 2021 novel tells the story of a feisty young journalist who is dispatched to London at the dawn of the swinging 60s to report on Princess underdog. Margaret's joke? Underdog. I heard underdog, underdog first. I heard underdog first. <laughs> Uh, the Royal Correspondent. Would yes. that be right, Nick? You are absolutely correct. The Royal Correspondent by Alexandra Joel. I swear I did not skim, skim your brain to, when I was putting this <laughs> podcast together. I swear. That happened to me last week when I was hosting. Yeah, yeah, they were all talking about law by Alexandra Bracken and like mythology retellings. And I'm like, well, crap. One of the questions is list as many as you can. <laughs> Um, one point to Danny. Well done. And if, uh, and for context, everyone, of course, as she already mentioned, you can listen to that on the Words and Nerds podcast, that episode. Question two. Now, this is a very difficult one, and I'm very curious if anyone is able to get this. What is the word describing, quote, a love for the smell of old books, end quote? Oh, oh no. I know this. Me too. I was thinking it needed to be a perfume or a candle, and I think it is. <laughs> Mm. I do, I do. I think it is. Um, I'm just. I'm going to get the candle in my mind. I saw it. What's it bloody called? Um, oh my god! It's a condition, by the way. There's a, there's a condition. There. Oh, can we get a letter hint? In terms of what the letter it starts yeah. with. Yeah. B. God damn. It. Uh, oh, Bibliophagia. Oh, oh god! I have three of you come at me at once. Okay. Um, I think Danny was first. Okay, Danny, we'll go for you, Danny. Oh, I know it's Biblio something, Biblios, Bibliomismia or something, Bibliomia. I'll, gi- I'll give you two. It's Bibliosmia. That's what it is. <laughs> oh, my God. It's, the, it's an I actual. It's a, you know, you, you are absolutely correct. That's the, it's, that's the name of it. It is, yes, a, known as a, a love for the smell of old books. Is the, is and the, I saw a candle not long ago that was meant to smell like that and called that. I'll need to find it. We all need to buy one. And the next podcast we do together, I'll buy you all one and we'll, we'll light it and we'll do the I love candles. This is the best. This is the best, this is the best news ever. <laughs> Congratulations. Another point to Danny. Question three. Name the book that contains this closing line. He was soon born away by the waves. And lost in darkness and distance. Yoke? Yes. Is that Frankenstein? It is Frankenstein. Oh, cool. I love job. that book. By Mary Shelley. Very good. <laughs> that last scene is just so good. It is. It is. Question four. Staying with Frankenstein. Oh, no. What was the alternative name given to <laughs> the famous horror novel? <laughs> Yoke. Straight on it. <laughs> is uh, it the modern Prometheus? It is the modern Prometheus. Well done. Straight back into it. Good job. Yeah. She goes, oh, no, wait, I know that one. <laughs> <laughs> Question five. For two points, name this author. A bonus two points are on offer if you can name the author before I mention their first book. I was born in 1962 in Hartford, Connecticut, and was the youngest of four siblings. In 1989, I earned a Master of Fine Arts in dramatic writing at the New York University Tech School of the Arts. And from that, began my career in 1991 as a writer for children's television shows. I worked Underdog. On... Yes? It's kind of a guess, though. Yeah? Is it Suzanne Collins? It is no. Suzanne Collins, correct. Oh, wow. <sighs> Well Hartford, done, Danny. That's was yeah. The thing. I was like, I know. Suzanne, yes, I was, I was, I was uh, about to mention the that she's the, the first book was going to be Gregor the Overlander, which then became known as part of the Underland Chronicles, and then she wrote this book. You may have heard of it. It's called The Hunger Games. May <laughs> have heard of it. Can I tell you why? Why Connecticut has stuck in my brain? Because did you know for a lot of years, maybe thirty, um, I was pronouncing Connecticut Connecticut. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my yeah, God. I can't believe I just admitted that. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Moving on, Nick. Though. Moving on. <laughs> All good, but that means, Danny, not only did you get two points for naming the author correctly, you also get another two points for naming it before I mention the name of their first book. So that's full points. That was I full think points Danny's going to gonna win this. 
Yeah. Well, I needed something because I've been pronouncing <laughs> Connecticut wrong. <laughs> but yes, Suzanne Collins is the correct answer. Well done. Oh. Question six. What is the March pick for Reese Witherspoon's book club? Oh, bugger. <laughs> no, I don't, I don't think no. that's That's not it. the name. No. That's not your buzzer. That's not your buzzer. Lip. Oh, 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 oh. Um, what's my thing? Later. Later. Uh, sanatorium. Is it the sanatorium? No, no, no that's, that the, that's, the, that's the last oh, month. Come on. <laughs> Half a point for getting a race pick. Well, you are, you are, you are behind. I am, if I no am. one can pick it, uh, if no one can pick it, I'll give you half a point for that because you are. No. You did get the February one. He's struggling. Yeah, I'm struggling. <laughs> yeah. I've got no idea on that one. Yeah. No, no offers. Well, Mark gets half a point. <laughs> and the answer is Infinite Country by Patricia Engel was the answer. Oh. When was that announced? Relatively recently. I mean, it's, oh. we're 10 days into March. I'm the world's um, worst book content producer. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't know that. <laughs> Question seven. What's the name of the upcoming novel written by Richard Chismere and Stephen King set for release in 2022? Oh. Hmm? Come on, Mark. Oh, this, is, this is one for you, Mark. You have to get this. No, I know, I know um. that he's, he's announced Billy Summers as his, as his next novel, but... Um, this is, me looking, this, this is me looking on Wikipedia. This was the next book that was scheduled to come out. <laughs> you should know this, Mark. This is for you. Well, the, his next two books were later, and he's got a novel coming out um, at the end of this year called Billy Summers. But I don't, I don't know what this is. Oh. This is just this make, is news to me. Let's, try and, let's just make up a title, a Stephen Kingy title. <laughs> <laughs> um, if no one is going to get this one, no. the answer is. Gwendy's Final Task, which is the what? third book in the series uh, yeah, following yeah. 2017's Gwendi Gwendy's Button Box and 2019's Gwendy's Magic Feather. Hmm, interesting. Uh, yes, it's a series written by both Richard and, uh, and Stephen. Um, so now we come to our last question of Book Fight. And, the and as terrifying as it is that Danny is six points ahead, anyone could still potentially win this because of the amount oh, of points what? on offering the last question. Currently, Danny is on six. Olivia is on two. Mark is on half, half a point. <laughs> I can just give him one. <laughs> yeah, stop it. I'm no! Yeah. <laughs> Get it! Yeah. So now this is... Now I'm going to suspend the buzzer for this one. It's basically a question of who can get the answers to them the answers to the oh. first you have to mention it what question eight okay mm. name as many books as you can from the stella long list you get one point for each one that you can oh, name. um the stella long list oh a lonely girl is a dangerous thing jesse too <laughs> okay yes we have one there a lonely girl oh, is a dangerous shivers. thing for jesse too uh the animals in that country uh, the animals in that country McKay. is one as well the animals in that country um. Oh, Stone Sky, Cold Mountain, Gold Mountain. So, sorry, sorry, let's, sorry. Did, did, um, no, Danny, did you have one? I didn't say anything. Oh, you didn't no, say anything? I was just saying, Stone. I'm just letting them catch up. Really, I'm trying to. <laughs> Stone Sky, Gold Mountain by Mirandi Rework. Yes, Stone Sky, Gold Mountain, correct. Yes. Oh, God, it's The not Yield? Fun. No, that no, was the last year. No, unfortunately, The Yield is not. Oh, that's, oh, that's the other one. Oh, what's that thing Man. called? <laughs> Have we got any other ones there? Do I have oh, any more takers? This is really yeah. embarrassing. We, I made that blog post. I know. <laughs> I need some more thinking music. Can you give me some thinking music, Nick? Um, <laughs> have I got anything on my speaker thingy here? Hang um, on. Oh, I, I think... Kath that? Moore. That's Kath Moore, can that I get was, half a point for an author? That, that, that was terrible. Um, oh, Evie Wilde, I interviewed ah, her. Yes. Uh, the, 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 the bass rock. The base rock, yes, yeah, that is one, correct. Oh. Yes. Anyone? I think that's all I've got. Anyone else? Oh, anyone else? God. Any any more takers, or, or are we done? I'm 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 out. Like <laughs> I don't think there's enough books um, on the Stella Long list about people being murdered in space by lasers. <laughs> so I didn't read any of I them. Think, I, I think you're right. Oh oh, witness on, Louise Milligan. Yes, I'll take witness. Very good. Very good. All right. Oh, we done? Yeah, this is really yeah, embarrassing. I'm, I'm done. We're done? Sorry, okay, so the, I would have also taken Fathoms, The World in the Whale by Rebecca Geeks, oh, okay. Revenge, Mur A Murder in Three Parts by S.L. Lim, 
Metal Fish Falling Snow that's the by one. Kath Moore, The Wandering mm. by Intern. Intern Paramedita. <laughs> Paramedita, that's the one, correct. Blueberries by Alina Savage. That's right. You, um, Song of the Crocodile by Nardi Simpson oh, and oh, Smart yeah. Ovens for Lonely People by Elizabeth Tan. But oh, you guys got the rest read. of them. <laughs> yes. Um, oh, that brings us... One. That brings us to the end of Book Fight. And oh my goodness gracious me, Danny is taking it once again with seven points. Olivia finishes with five. Mark, you finish with one and a half. No, you gave me an extra one, so it's two and a half. <laughs> two. Yeah. I thought, no, I thought he bumped your half up to one, so you just got Oh, one. I thought I got a bonus one on top of the half. Look, Why would you have gotten a bonus point? one? Uh, because the. Mark, be- if you want two and a half points, it's not going to hurt my winning ship. So. <laughs> Thank you, Danny. That's the principle you. of the thing. Thank you. <laughs> you can't keep getting away with it. <laughs> but congratulations, Danny, once again, representing Words and Nerds and taking the crown. Well done. Thank you. Thank you for having me on again. I always have so much fun with you guys, especially when I win, particularly when I win. <laughs> <laughs> oh, shucks. We absolutely love having you. Your, your prize is that you get to come back again. <laughs> <laughs> I'm in. I'm in. Get me in. <laughs> um, so that brings us, unfortunately, to the end of another episode of The Weekend Booktopian. Thanks to my guests for joining us and be sure to check out all of the books we have mentioned down in the description box. Also be sure of course to check out Danny's awesome podcast Words and Nerds which is linked in the description as well where she interviewed Amy Kaufman Alexandra Joel and of course recently featured our kids and YA specialist Sarah McDooling um, discussing the best YA for 2021. I, I also have an episode coming up with some guy named Nick who wrote a book. Nick who? Oh, I don't know. That, loser. <laughs> that guy. Shameless self-promoter. <laughs> some some guy about some book. I don't know what it is. Coming up, guys. Coming up. Keep your eyes out for that one. <gasps> I can't promote myself. Well, thank you. Thank you so much for having me, guys. I love having um, coming on and having a chat with you guys about books. You are welcome. You are welcome back anytime. Mm-hmm. Um, the Weekend Booktopian was produced by myself, Nick Vasiliev, and you can check out hundreds of episodes on our Apple Podcasts or SoundCloud channels, including a wide variety of author interviews, book analysis pieces, and more, including our recent interview with Alexandra Bracken. Also, be sure to check out Booktopia TV on YouTube, or if you can't get enough of chatting to authors, authors head to the Booktopian blog where you can read the articles that are published every single day, including our recent post around International Women's Day, where Booktopians talked about their favourite female characters. Thanks for listening, and never stop reading. Thank you for listening to the Booktopia podcast channel. Don't forget... You can subscribe to us on SoundCloud and iTunes for free and get access to hundreds of author discussions, book analysis pieces and more. Or, if your eyes need a workout, head to Booktopia TV on YouTube. Don't forget, for all books featured in this podcast and for access to a whole bunch of other fun content on our blog, head to Booktopia, Australia's local bookstore at booktopia.com.au.